This is Simply Cyber. Good morning, folks. Today is Monday, November 14th, 2022. Welcome to episode number 240 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing my expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you operationalize this today at work? Or if you're looking to break in the industry, that's one of the things we specialize in over here at Simply Cyber. We got you covered. You're going to be asked in an interview, how do you stay current? This is a dynamite answer. Before we get into it, I want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with my good friends over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated hardworking business owners into turmoil, but Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. You can see right here on screen, if you're watching, this is their website. You scroll right down, boom. We got Eric Taylor's calendar right here, CEO of the company. You can jump on right there, right away. Hey, Jeremy Williams, thanks for the super chat. Cup of coffee, I'll take a slug off that. Oh, so good, so good, so good. Thank you, thank you. Move this little pop-up window right over here. All right, also want to give some love to Recon InfoSec. Listen, Recon InfoSec's managed to detect managed detection response or their it's called mdr you probably heard that acronym offering includes the people process and technology needed to deliver full spectrum security operations to organizations of any size their mdr service includes fully managed sim and soar and customers gain full visibility into their own environment as well as any incident investigations being worked by the recon SOC team guys this is a security company led by security people. MDR is an awesome option if you're looking to make your money stretch, especially with inflation and the recession going on, budget cuts, belt tightening. You don't need to compromise your security quality just because the budget's going down. MDR services are a great option. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications like CISP, CISA, CISA, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So it stacks, right? Two and a half a week, 10 a month. If you're here all you know, all the time, like Cyber Munchkin is. 
Be sure to document literally the easiest and I would argue the most enjoyable way to earn CPEs. If you're live in chat, I see you, John S. I see you, Hamza, Jeremy Williams, Greg Willison, squad member. I see you guys. If you're here, thank you for being here. Genuinely appreciate it. We're going to have a banger of an episode today. If you're watching on replay, Boston Rob, Poner Joe, Left Coast Nick Barker, I see you guys. Hey, if you are on replay, nothing wrong with that. Hashtag team replay in chat. Thanks for catching the stream. Remember, we can catch it on replay on YouTube's, LinkedIn's, Twitter, Twitches, or if audio podcast is more your jam, we got you covered. You can get it on your podcast app of choice. I use Apple iTunes, but Google Spotify, Google, Spotify, all of them, all of them. Base case helps uh, push the uh, the feeds to the stream uh, to the podcast after the show's over. Uh, so take advantage of that if you can. Guys, you know what we normally do. That's the intro. And we're going to get to the news in just a hot minute. But as people stack in here, I'm going to welcome people in chat. Just spend a minute. Have a sip of coffee. It was a great weekend, everybody. I hope you had a wonderful weekend as well. Want to remind everybody it is Monday, which means it's artwork. Callan's Artwork Corner on Mondays on the mid-roll. We kind of do something fun every day of the week, except Tuesday currently. Tuesday's available for folks. Uh, and today is no no different. Um, we will be doing artwork with Callan. Yeet! Got the old yeet here. Where's uh, Barack? Barack? Uh, er, er, where is it? Ursoy? Barack Ursoy? <laughs> Enjoy those new emotes. If you're a squad member, recognize I've added a bunch of emotes as soon as... I, the way that YouTube does it is as you hit certain amounts of people in the membership, it unlocks more slots for emotes. So I guarantee you the next time uh, a slot opens up, I think we need 19 more people to join the squad. Um, once that opens up, I'll drop more emotes in there. John Strand blowing stuff up. Chief Wiggum. Love it, love it, love it. Guys, how was everybody's weekend? Carrie, good to see you. Not only IT, good to see you. Greg Wilson, what's up? It's Owen. Always good morning to you too. Rotten Cupcake over on Twitch. Good to see you. Get started in GRC. It's where it's at. It's where the party's at. We're making GRC cool, people. That's what we're trying to do over here, or at least socially acceptable. Hey, Tom Bishop. Good to see you, Leonardo. Guys, you may notice a little bit of a difference in the music. I am experimenting with copyright-free music to see if it impacts the show in any way and uh, allow me not to get deplatformed <laughs> on the platform. Making GRC er socially acceptable. That's right, Alana. Exactly. That's right, BSEC. You're, you'll come over to the dark side, my friend. You'll be network engineer by day, GRC auditor <laughs> by night. Hey, Kimberly, good to see you. All right, let's get into it, guys, because we do have a premiere at nine at eight forty-five today. This video is going to be going live on my YouTube channel. And I will be premiering it, which means I can comment. It'll look like a live stream. We can chat all through it. I'm super excited about that. Let's get into the news. Sit back, relax, and let's have a great kickoff to the Monday. Hopefully you guys got the newsletter. Here we go. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Monday, November 14th, 2022. Android phone owner accidentally finds a way to bypass lock screen. Cybersecurity researcher David Schutz accidentally found a way to bypass the lock screen on his fully patched Google Pixel 6 and Pixel 5 smartphones, enabling anyone with physical access to the device to unlock it. 
Schutz says he discovered the flaw by accident after his Pixel 6 ran out of battery, wherein he entered his PIN incorrectly three times and recovered the locked SIM card using the PUK personal unblocking key code. To his surprise, after unlocking the SIM and selecting a new PIN, the device did not ask for the lock screen password, but only requested a fingerprint scan. Google has fixed the security issue on the latest Android update released last week, but it has remained available for exploitation for at least six months. Talus hit by oh, Lockbit. I'm actually kind of curious. Uh, so, did this guy get a bug bounty for this? Yeah, boy. This guy got 70000 Great cash, homie. Good for him. Okay, guys. So, here's the deal. Um, this would have been really bad, right? You'd have to have physical access to the phone, but phones can be stolen kind of easily. Um, they can be dropped or left in an Uber. So you'd, you'd A, have to target someone with a Google Android device uh, and then get their device without them knowing. But not completely impossible, okay? It's not, it's not in the... I wouldn't call it in the mainstream of, of uh, attacks, right? Because if you're a VIP or something, chances are you're going to be hyper aware if someone steals your phone. Uh, but but that aside, a security bypass, the whole reason we have the pin on it, besides it encrypting the data on the device, it, some people don't know that. When you put the pin on, it actually does data at risk encryption also, which is pretty cool. So the pin prevents access control, gives us uh, you know, a sense of uh, peace, knowing that if the phone is lost or stolen, no one can get in. Now, what I want to say is I'm glad this guy found it. I'm glad he disclosed it. And I'm glad that he got paid. What I want to point out to people is the way he discovered it was accidental. And this is something pretty important, both for security researchers and for people who are, you know, software developers or, or, or devs or devs in some capacity. Most of the times, hey, Gail Salins, thanks to the squad membership. Most of the times, Think, think of the 80-20 rule, if you've ever heard of this. So like 80% of the time um, is like, you know, the focus and everything. And then 20% is like the fringes and stuff like that. A lot of times bugs and stuff are found in the fringes because devs and test teams and everything, they're looking at the 80%, right? They're looking at the, the most common use cases, the typical things. This guy's battery died and then he went into a personal user key screen and then did some other stuff and then was able to bypass the lock screen. So I, my first thoughts was like this, pro this may have not been discovered because of the workflow in order to get to that screen wasn't in the 80%. It wasn't in the, in like the normal use cases or like, Oh, cause you have to think of like, what are those fringe use cases? That's the big challenge. Right. And that's why, that's why people who are really good at red team stuff or offensive security, they're typically very like innovative and thoughtful because it's not like you start out with a complete set of all possible permutations of what you could test and then you only test 80% of them because you're lazy. You test, you think of what you could think of and then you test all that. And then it's in the fringes, that innovative, that novel area where things like this happen. Um, so good on, good on the individual, uh, crazy cool uh, bypass and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm out here trying to get a CVE and this guy like uh, accidentally finds one. I love it. 3.0 again. Thales, T-H-A-L-E-S, is a global high-tech leader headquartered in Paris with more than 81,000 employees worldwide. Earlier this month, it confirmed that it had been hit for a second time by the ransomware group Lockbit. The gang threatened to publish stolen data by November 7th if the ransom was not paid by its deadline. That deadline passed, and the ransomware gang maintained its promise and carried out its threats. 
On Friday, the group started publishing confidential data stolen from the company. However, Talis has downplayed the incident and explained that the security breach will have no impact on its activities. All right. So a couple things. One, and I, I went back through, I do go back and look through chat um, from time to time for these shows to, to get, you know, because I can't focus on chat and produce and think about these stories at the same time. Um, Eric Taylor had mentioned Lockbit is a ransomware as a service threat actor group. So with them dominating in 2022 and then it being in the stories, every uh, the news every day, you got to remember this isn't... Um, this isn't like a single threat actor, or like a gang of like five people. This is, you know, like kind of an affiliate program. So it would make sense that there would be lots of them. And, you know, they, they kind of could be operating independently in the back end infrastructure is the only thing that's kind of cohesive. So I wanted to point that out. Secondly, um, you know, this, this company, 81,000 worldwide, they sound like they're the equivalent of like Lockheed Martin in the United States or Northrop Grumman or something like that or Halliburton. Um, they they let the deadline go, and the data got published, and they they say it's not really a big deal. Although, you know, I guess there is some stuff here uh, to demonstrate what kind of information was stolen. I don't know. I guess you'd have to figure out like, is this valuable to to us to to our clients? Is this going to affect us uh, from a professional services perspective? I I don't know. I guess the real the real TLDR here is the. Um, Lockpick gang and just you know the continued proliferation. They, the authorities really need to get to the to the the root of the Lockpick gang. The the group hosting the infrastructure. Uh, that's kind of where it's at. Also in chat, can you confirm? I did some like I took my camera down this weekend to film that YouTube studio tour, and then I placed it back up. Do I? I can't tell. Do I look, uh, like crisp, like um, or do I look fuzzy, like out of focus? Please let me know in chat because it's. It looks fuzzy, and that's not cool. <laughs> at least $1 billion of client funds missing at FTX. Oh, surprise. The cryptocurrency exchange's founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, secretly transferred $10 billion of customer funds from FTX to his own trading company, Alameda Research, according to sources speaking to Reuters. A large portion of that total has since disappeared, say the sources, who put the missing amount at between $1 and $2 billion. While it is known that FTX moved customer funds to Alameda, the missing funds are being reported by Reuters for the first time. In text messages, Bankman-Fried said he, quote, disagreed with the characterization, end quote, of the $10 billion transfer. He continued, quote, we didn't secretly transfer. We had confusing internal labeling and misread it, end quote, without elaborating. Asked about the missing funds, Bankman-Fried responded, quote, question mark, question mark, question mark. End quote. All right. All right. So I'm going to tell you a couple things. One, this right here is all you need to know. They they basically had like a second set of books. This is indicative of fraud, right? We already know FTX uh, over leveraged people's money, completely misrepresented what they would do with the money. Like they literally said, if you put your money in FTX, we will not. Uh, your money will always be here. Like we won't leverage it. And they, that's what they did. They literally leveraged it to their own company, right? So it's a long, it's a long bull crap story, but long story short, SBF, Sam Bingman Friedman was supposed to be like the billionaire genius. They're the ones who have like all these Tom Brady commercials and all these financial influencers on the payroll. Um, and the FTX filed for bankruptcy, which we called, by the way, 
right after the show on Friday, it came out like 45 minutes later that they did in fact file for chapter 11. Um, here's my surprise face. So I'm not, I'm not surprised that now there's a billion dollars missing, right? Guys, when, when the house is on fire, right? Um, I, can I get the dog? This is fine. When, the, when this is fine, and you're basically planning your exit strategy because you have full transparency that this thing is uh, Titanic with a huge, massive hole in the hull. You are personally, I don't care who you are, if you're a billionaire or if you're, um, you know, somebody trying to make ends meet. When you need to flee, right, you have your go bag. This person, you know, I'm not saying it's Sam Bank Friedman, but it probably is. Um, th these people... Like their go bag also has a billion dollars worth of crypto, right? Now they say mislabeling and stuff like that. I hope there's an investigation. Lots of transparency, lots of accountability on the blockchain. This money can be tracked. People are going to be pissed, right? Because there's a lot of victims, a lot of victims who are losing all of their money or have lost all of their money, right? So wouldn't you want to know where this, where's this missing billion dollars? Like I invested $40,000 and lost all of it. Not me, Jerry. I'm, that's just a made up number. But like, it doesn't matter how much you invested. If, if you invested money, lost it, you're going to be pissed and want to know what's up and, and, and have him be held accountable. Um, I did see an interview with Kevin O'Leary over the weekend regarding this. He lost a lot of money. This is Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank or whatever. He brought up an interesting point. He said, this is probably going to be a watershed moment where the SEC gets involved and begins regulating these markets. Because right now, I say it all the time on chat, it's the Wild West. Crypto, NFTs, unregulated. You have no security as an investor in any of this crap. It's a, it is, in my opinion, a macro-level Ponzi scheme with many, many people, right? The value is, the value of this crap is how valuable or how well you are at convincing other people to buy it, right? To drive up the price or buy it from you, okay? So anyways... Billion dollars missing. Hopefully the blockchain comes through and we see where this thing is. And this guy gets held accountable because it's deplorable. It's deplorable. Financial fraud of individuals is deplorable. Okay? That's that's how I stand on that. Australian federal police say cyber criminals in Russia behind Medibank hack. The Australian Federal Police, AFP, say they have identified the perpetrators of the hack and attempted extortion of health insurance company Medibank, which stated last week that it would not be making a ransom payment after hackers gained access to the highly sensitive data of 9.7 million current and former customers, including 1.8 million international customers living abroad. Though the AFP did not identify the perpetrators by name, they appear confident that they know who they are pursuing and that they are based in Russia. As a side note, Medibank has now been listed on the extortion site formerly operated by Revil. Listeners to this podcast who are interested in pursuing this story may be interested in a podcast episode released by The Guardian in their Full Story series, which is out right now and which describes the hack and its developments in greater detail. All right. Well, first of all, That's the sound of the police. get Chief Wiggum out here. Guys. Uh, okay, so MetaBank, massive attack. Um, you know, way to go, federal police, for saying that they figured out who it was. It was in Russia. Now, this is one of those ones. Russia is embroiled in, like, a ground war with Ukraine. Australia is part of Five Eyes. I don't know if Russia is part of NATO. I don't think they are because NATO's the North Atlantic Treaty. Um, but, you know, uh, they're definitely allies to the United States. Which, you know, is not, and you know, geopolitically speaking, I don't 
I don't think Russia is going to help here, right? So like Australian police are going to be like, hey, Russia, we've tracked attackers down in Russia. Can you help us out? They're going to be like, no, <laughs> like, yeah, we'll get right on that. Uh, we'll get right on that. Just uh, wait by the phone and we'll call you. Okay. So I don't think that this is going to go anywhere, but you know, for what it's worth, law enforcement does follow um, process and protocol because of, you know, the reason, the reasons uh, make sense, right? So you can have fair and objective law enforcement and, and justice and stuff like that. So Australia has to find this out and get to these people. But unfortunately, just like the United States, where we have all sorts of indictments against North Koreans and stuff, uh, I don't know if this will ever make it um, make it any further than you know an indictment for those threat actors in Russia. Um, the cool thing is they were able to trace it to exactly who was doing it and where they were doing it. So the good news is you would hope that um, they can, you know, block or be better protected in the future. But I mean, obviously the cat's out of the bag now, but um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. You got to remember guys, as just a quick aside, Anthem, go back and look at the Anthem data breach in the United States. I think that was 2014. Um, you know, if, if only I had something like, you know, that could help me, <laughs> like Google, I don't know. Anthem data breach. Um, 2000, uh, January 2015. Okay, guys. Like that's basically 2014. Anthem data breach happened. Uh, and that was a major, major... Um, that was a major hack and, you know, of a medical thing for the United States. And it, I don't want to say it didn't turn into nothing, but like, you know, we didn't have a collapse of society because of it. So, you know, when you're doing your threat modeling and impact statements, you know, give the consideration to that. All right, let's do it. And now a word from our sponsor, App Omni. Can you name all the third-party apps connected to your major SaaS platforms like Salesforce and Microsoft? What about the data that these apps can access? After all, one compromised third-party app could put your entire SaaS ecosystem at risk. With App Omni, you get visibility to all third-party apps, including which end-users have enabled them and the level of data access they've been granted. Visit appomni.com to request a free risk assessment. That's appomni.com. All right. Now, I am moving away from copyrighted music, but... It's a slow process. <laughs> all right, guys, it is the mid-roll. I want to thank all of you for being here. I hope you're getting value. I'm going to start saying this at the mid-roll. If you haven't done it already and you're getting value from this stream, take a second and hit the thumbs up button if you're on YouTube. It literally, I did some research, it makes a difference. It makes a big difference in the way YouTube like uh, looks at this program every day. So if you get value out of it, take a second, just take a second and hit that like button. Only if you're getting value. If you think this is hot trash, well, stay with us and don't, you know, don't hit the like button. All right, guys, it is Monday, which means all of you uh, should have got the newsletter this morning. I definitely got mine. If you didn't and you don't know what it is, every single Monday morning, I deliver an email to people who want it at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with three actionable pieces of intelligence that you can take uh, advantage of right then. One for your end users, one for your peers, one for your executives. It's almost copy and pasteable for you to deliver cyber risk reduction to your organization. Uh, think of it as like, professional service is consulting for me to you so you can kick more at work this week and do it before your coffee's even cool enough to drink now it is monday 
It is Monday, so it's Callan's Art Week of the Day. So I want, this is a big one today, Callan. Callan entered this into a community contest. You can see, where is it? Yep. It was entered. He made this himself. This is all his details. Casey wins an award. And uh, yeah, you know, whatever. It's good. It's fall. We're here. Way to go, Callan. Good work, man. Love it, love it, love it. All right. Uh, thanks, Joel Belton. Love having you in the community, man. Love having you in the community. I'll let Callan know you guys liked his work. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Let's get back into the news, shall we? Avoid using blue mailboxes during the holidays, warns the Postal Service. According to United States Postal Service officials, quote, groups of criminals across the country are using the Internet and social media to coordinate strategic targeting of post office collection boxes, end quote. If you do opt to use the blue collection boxes, be sure to do so before the last collection of the day so that your mail isn't sitting in there overnight. The collection time should be listed on the front of the box. This is especially true on Saturday as the mail would be in there overnight, plus all of Sunday. This warning may sound tame, but postal mail is still a direct source of data that can be used for identity theft, and volumes typically increase prior to the holiday season. Elon Musk. All right, so, uh, gosh, guys, it sucks. Um, like, these blue boxes in the United States are, you know, ubiquitous. And because the United States postal system, which, by the way, I have lots of family who were federal postal employees, so... USPS is near and dear to my heart. Thanks, Kimberly. I'll let you know. Thanks so much for the uh, super chat. I'll let Callan know that uh, he's now a commissioned artist. Thank you so much, Kimberly. So, it's too bad. It's too bad because these these um, blue boxes are ubiquitous and people use them all the time. But because of budget cuts and all these decisions made, uh, especially two years ago around the election time, the post the post office is kind of not as fast as it used to be. It used to be like, you know, day and a half, two days. You could still get it. Basically, all they're saying is don't mail cash, which has always been a best practice. Um, don't mail something between November and December and think that it's going to get there with any level of um, expediency. Uh, so this is more of a public service announcement. Um, I guess it's a cyber story because they talk briefly about um, people stealing mail in order to steal your identity. I, I don't know. To me, like, I'm not saying it's a slow news week, but this is kind of a a stretch. It's a stretch story for a cybersecurity uh, podcast program. But alas, it's ours, and we are on to the next one. Those Twitter contractors after mass employee layoffs. Get your Elons on. After laying off half its staff earlier this month, Twitter on Saturday started culling its vast ranks of contract staff. This according to sources speaking to Axios. The unspecified number of contractors worked in various fields, including content moderation. These contractors may be unable to collect their final paychecks since their teams no longer have any full-time Twitter employees to sign off on their time cards. Some only found out by seeing that their access to Twitter's computer systems had been shut off. Dude, <laughs> that sucks. Okay. Okay, so listen, here's the deal. Um, this is this is uh, this is a good lesson learned for people who um, who are new to industry or younger and haven't you know experienced these type of things. Um, 
in in corporate America or whatever, yes, you have full-time staff, like the job that you apply for and everything like that. But then there's also professional services, right? When I talk about Barricade Cyber at the beginning, and when I talk about Recon InfoSec at the beginning, when you have a, a ransomware incident and you call Eric Taylor and Barricade to come in, they are doing professional services. They are part of your team for a you know, a short period of time. They're contractors, right? MDR, like, so, you know, Eric Taylor, like maybe he comes in, he helps clean you up and everything, gives you a pat on the back, you're good to go, and then he leaves, all right? Uh, Recon InfoSec, MDR, that's more of an ongoing professional services. So that's like an extension of your team. The CISO would want to know every every day, every week, whatever, what's MDR doing? What, what's the reports look like? Signing the checks. But in the corporate America, literally the, the color of the money maybe not literally, proverbially, the color of the money is different for professional services versus hiring full-time staff. Plus, you know, full-time staff, if they're not performing, you have to go through an HR process to fire them and all this. There's benefits. There's, you know, labor line items and crap like that. So capital dollars versus operating dollars, right? It gets all messy and CFOs care about it. But here's the deal. It's way easier to hire professional services than it is to hire full-time staff. And literally, it'll blow your mind. People, businesses will pay, like, you might cost like $100,000 fully loaded, which means like your cash, your your benefits, your time off, all that crap. 100000 fully loaded. A, a, a business executive might pay 150000 200000 for a, a contractor to do literally the same work. They will pay more money. And it, it has, it's all about the burn rate and all this other crap, but it doesn't matter. My point is, A, I wanted to teach you a little bit about professional services. And two, okay, so Twitter's no different. Twitter's got a whole stable of uh, contractors. And I don't know why uh, Elon did it in this order, but he fired about 3,500 people last week, half the firm. And now he's firing a ton of professional services people. It may have been easier to say, all right, who works here? Half of them are fired. Okay. What contracts do we have? What are the terms of the contract? Like you'd probably have to go through all of that um, as you're firing people. So you're not in violation of the contract because people would then sue if they have good contracts in place. Like, oh, if you terminate the deal without due cause, you know, you have to pay the entire um, balance of the contract. Like these, these type of contract legalese things are probably part of it. What really, really sucks is some of the people who are working there, the, the person who has to approve their hours no longer works there. So it's going to be uh, a bit of a hot mess. I would expect um, expect this in the news. Uh, lots of these contracting firms suing Twitter over not getting paid or lack of payment or anything like that, which is going to take, unfortunately, probably years to, to, to get, you know, get through the process. Uh, but yeah, Elon... Elon is just like scorched earth uh, over in Twitter. Again, real quick reminder, uh, lots of people in the InfoSec community, myself included, have moved over to Mastodon. InfoSec.exchange is the... So Mastodon has like multiple servers. Um, InfoSec Exchange is the one that um, most people... I put it in chat. Most people in the InfoSec community want to go to and hang out. I'm still on Twitter, but it is basically rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic unless something massive happens. Chief encouraged by lack of attacks on midterms. Yeah, Jen. Jen Easterly told The Record and CNN that she was encouraged by the lack of activity from cyber adversaries. She said that no state asked for incident response help on election day and there were no ransomware incidents. 
She also noted that, unlike in previous elections, CISA was able to use its Joint Cyber Defense Collaborative, the organization's public-private coordination hub, to, quote, respond to things that were happening that were, again, low-level and not impactful, end quote. She added, though, that the threat environment for the 2024 presidential election promises to be more complicated. Yeah. So for those who are not United States citizens, uh, we had our midterm elections this past week. Um, okay, so it, it, it's really complicated. This is a cyber story, right? There's been all sorts of talks of um, election tampering, voter fraud, all this other stuff. And it's been a news story since the last presidential election. And there's been no indication, no evidence, no smoking gun, nothing to suggest that there has been any of these issues. And going into the midterm elections, there was a lot of concern of like, is this going to turn into another, you know, voter fraud election thing, all this. Uh, Jenny Easterly was on a uh, marketing campaign, for lack of a better term, going on the different news outlets. Out, and she's the director of CISA, right? Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency. So she's an important voice uh, in, in the U.S. government's defense capabilities, right? Uh, and assuring citizens that everything's on the up and up. She was explaining that there's no credible intelligence. There's no conf There's like no no indication of compromise. Nothing. Nothing in the back channels. Nothing in the intel community that we don't have access to. And sure enough, midterms came. Midterms went. Um, some hotly contested uh, election uh, uh, campaign or contest or whatever. Um, and now they're coming out afterwards, uh, post-election and saying, you know, there wasn't anything that the things that they were, they, they took on, uh, they do point out that the 2024 presidential election is going to be a bit more on fire. Uh, that's just the nature of what's going on in the United States with a very, uh, uh you know, very, very, uh, polarizing and hotly contested, um, political situation, uh, here in the United States. But uh, I'm super pumped. It would be awesome if there was any type of uh, readout. I don't know if you guys are into this, but like some type of readout from the war room uh, during the midterm elections, November uh, uh, 8th, um, what they went through, what they saw. That It'd be kind of cool, uh, but you know, I don't know if we'll ever see that. Last week in Ransomware. The big news last week was the arrest of a Russian Lockbit member in Canada who is said to be responsible for making ransom demands between 5 and 70 million euros. Over the past few weeks, a threat actor has been trolling victims by distributing the Azov ransomware, A-Z-O-V, and blaming its creation on cybersecurity researchers and journalists. This ransomware was later confirmed to be a data wiper that overwrites alternating bytes of data with garbage, making it impossible to recover. Other reports last week have linked the Black Basta ransomware gang to Fin7, warned that Venus ransomware is targeting healthcare, linked the Russian sandworm hackers with Ukrainian ransomware attacks, and detailed how a threat actor is distributing Lockbit through the Amdey botnet, A-M-D-E-Y. Finally, in addition to Medibank, we saw stories about Lockbit hitting the continental automotive giant and Black Basta behind disruptions at Canadian food retail giant Sobeys, as well as UK Grand Prix organization Silverstone appearing on a ransomware leak list. All right. So, you know, ransomware is hot and heavy, as you would expect. Um, you know, th this site, um, it's... You know, CISO's here, here, I'll put this link in chat. I mean, basically, they just cover over a bunch of ransomware stories that we knew mostly about. One of them was in the story today. One of them was last week, the Lockbit, 
threat actor out of Ontario who got extradited to the United States. Um, Crime doesn't pay always, although ransomware pays handsomely, but when you get caught, you get slapped and put in jail and that's not good. So um, just this this link is good if you're looking for some material, some statistical information, some use case study for your particular industry, for your particular executives, whatever. Dude, you don't need to like capture it like every single day because there's literally a new ransomware victim at least in the news every single day like you like you could set your watch to it um lockbit is is really front runner um i would actually it's worth mentioning if you're interested in learning more about lockbit since they do make up about half of all 44% of all ransomware attacks um in 2022 on threatgen's red versus blue which is a cybersecurity gamification platform for a company threatgen that i work for on Wednesday at 11.30 a.m., I'm actually live streaming in the platform and I will be emulating Lockbit Threat Actor Group. I'll be using their TTPs. I will be educating you on a deeper level of what Lockbit, how they operate, what their model looks like, um, how their ransomware deploys, um, how, how you would engage them from a, a victim perspective. So definitely come check that out. That's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. That's going to do it for the news today. Kind of a quick run. I wanted to make sure that we had uh, enough time to get to this. Guys, if you were here just for the news, thank you so much. Um, uh, you know, genuinely appreciate you hitting the thumbs up too at the mid roll. Um, we're off to a great start this Monday. So if you got a boogie out of here, go for it. But if you want to stay, I'm going to hang out for a little bit and talk a little bit about what's going on here. If you're interested in how I achieve this uh, live stream, if you're interested in why uh, this camera angle looks like this, but like, you can't really tell, but like my arm, the wall is here. I cannot bend my, like my arm is almost 90 degrees up. You might be wondering, geez, Jerry, I never really thought that it looks deep. Like, how do you like the lighting, all this? If you're interested, literally, I did a full breakdown tour of my YouTube studio to show you how I do all of this, including all the audio, all the video, all the lighting and then all the software that I use and I've I've lined it out. Um, I'm pretty pretty pumped about it. I think it turned out pretty cool. Uh, so if you're interested at 8:45 a.m. so in eight minutes from now, the show the channel the video will go live on Simply Cyber's YouTube channel, but it'll be a premiere, which means we can be in chat. I will be in chat. I will be answering your questions live in chat. Uh, if you have questions or any, you know, want clarification on something, whatever it is, I'm here for you guys. Um, a couple people have been reaching out to me, like, like directly um, wanting to start a YouTube channel, like se several people actually, and asking me questions like, how do I do this? You know, what do you recommend? I'm on a budget. I'm just starting. Should I go video only? Should I do Twitch? Should I do YouTube? Right. So all these questions I'm getting. So I'm I'm starting to also make some content around helping people with those questions. Um, oftentimes, that's a lot of the re the reason I select certain pieces of content is because I'm getting asked the question multiple times. So there's obviously an interest. So I will make a content and then I'll just you know be able to answer the question much faster and mentor at scale is essentially what I'm doing. Yeah, grab your coffee. Oh, BSEC, yeah, d definitely looking forward to it, guys. So I'm gonna I'm gonna end the stream here, um, just so we can have a few minutes. Hit the hit the head, uh, get your get your second cup of coffee. I'm gonna go downstairs and do another 
I, I've already drank this entire pot, but I will do a, uh, a quick K-cup. Uh, I do have a backup contingency plan because I'm a total cyber nerd. I do have a business continuity plan in case my French press breaks for whatever reason. And um, it is K-cups with French roast. So I'm going to go grab that. Guys, thanks so much for being here. We're, we're off and running for the week of November. Uh, there will be shows next week. Uh, programming note, I'll tell you guys every day coming up to the program. But Thursday on Thanksgiving, we will not have a show. Friday after Thanksgiving, we will have a show, but there will not be a CISO series podcast. So just a few times a year, I have to ad-lib the entire show. And chat really does like it when I do it. It's kind of uh, it's kind of a silly, fun uh, show. So be sure to uh, schedule that on Friday after Thanksgiving. Guys, be good. I will be back in just a few minutes on the Simply Cyber channel to go through the YouTube studio tour. I hope you can join us. Take care, everybody. Be good.